0: Our little life out here. What the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's the Diddy Edifil, on the Twitter box, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And it's a big one. And you'll see, look, if you clicked into this podcast, you're looking at the title and it says the draft guide is a week away. And if you're a regular here, uh, you'll know what the draft guide is and, you know, who commands this thing and, and how it works and when things are going to be released and all that kind of jazz. Um, But if you're not, oh, my God, I'm jealous of you. Stephen Fry, I remember him talking about P.G. Woodhouse before. And he was saying, you know, I, I I want to tell everybody about P.G. Woodhouse. And if it's your first time reading, I'm, I'm really, really jealous. And that's what I mean when I have this gentleman on um, here at UK Packers. It's at the IT Hedgehog. It's pretty Jones. Peter, what's going on? I'm doing really good, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. I'm better if, you know, because people don't realise that uh, this is the second time we've done this because my computer had a brain fart um, and now we're back on again. So we're kind of... Yeah, I don't know, Peter, are you are you mad at me? You know what I mean? You're going to start you know, it and it is annoying. It is annoying, Peter. You see the thing is you write 350 odd pages of a draft guide and I can't even make my computer work probably. But um well,
0: and to think and to think we'd recorded 3 hours they've really lost then. it all.
1: Yeah, I know. And you we, i love that <laughs> bit you we're talking about the meaning of life too, but uh we'll just have to brush over <laughs> it now and make this a quick one. Uh no, but look, the Draft Guide Pete is a mammoth task to to let people kind of know what it is. Um every year coming up to the draft, you do this unbelievable document it's it's in the hundreds in pages the quality is fantastic Uh, but i guess in this podcast what we're going to do is we're going to a remind people what it is uh, if they've heard of it and the second one is is that for anybody new sort of let them know uh, what everybody's in for so it is a massive document that profiles uh, 200 players am i right Um, in the upcoming draft but it's very packers centric piece so um, before we get into and delve into the nuts and bolts of it, let people know, Pete, how many pages to the nearest hundred, uh, if you may, is this draft guide this year?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it's three hundred plus. It's probably three fifty <laughs> if we were clo- if we were doing it to the nearest fifty. Right, but it's that that it's that kind of that kind of area, and and you know, and we're partly at the point now, as you say, a week a week away from releasing this thing, where actually we're pairing some of the notes and things down rather than adding more stuff so it's
1: bananas, bananas yeah, everyone has a book in them you know and a famous uh author once said that that's where it should stay for most people right but you're, you're writing this thing it's 350 plus pages you're paring it down which must be heartbreaking because of all of the work um, that you're putting into it but like people can't don't underestimate just how big a thing that is that every single year you write it but pete remind us again is that this is this year's draft guide. It's for the players that are obviously going to be coming into this year's draft and who to look at. It's very Packers centric, but like it's 350 pay. Authors typically spend years on a book. How long have you spent on the 2023 draft guide?
0: Um, So it's well, yeah, well, well over 18 months. Now that's not 18 months solid because clearly, you know, 18 months ago we were still working on the 2022 draft guide as well. Um, but to give some indication, um, a few days ago, I started creating just in in outline with with some names and stuff the 2025 version.
1: Oh. Does it feel like a kick to the chest, Pete? Does it feel kind of like <laughs> one of those things where you wake up and you're like, "Oh, cool, Groundhog's Day. This this is great. So I'll just keep doing <laughs> it, this thing."
0: It does, and I guess the the weird thing about it, I guess it's a, it's it's a lot of work for you know basically three days, you know the three days of the draft, and then it's almost goes away for good you know that particular year's one is is done um you know it's very rare so maybe in the you know in a few days after the draft or the couple of weeks after the draft you know we're going back and and looking at what did we say about this player or that player Hmm. but then after that it's something that you know clearly that year's one gets parked and we're on to on to the next one so it's so it's yes it's like a book but it's almost like a book that vanishes into thin air which is the most like? Imagine writing a novel and then
1: saying, you know, this has a time lock on it, like some sort of Sherlock Holmes slash Inspector Gadget that will self destruct. Uh, but no, I tell you what, though, and where I've got massive um, benefit and I, everybody has of your draft guide is, is that. You know, you look at it for the Packers players and then you look at it and you see, you know, someone being defensive rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, whatever. And it's really nice to go back and take a look at it. Also, if that player becomes a superstar, to delve back into the draft guide that you have, because how it's delivered is, it's on the website, um, ukpackers.co.uk, and we have a special section for it. Um, We do three podcasts, um, more really, because we do sort of breakdown ones, but there's offense, which will be coming on the 17th, uh, defense the 24th, and the special teams and final thoughts then in around the 26th and then the draft is on the 27th and then we do more stuff so all of those podcasts will be condensed and put sort of as separate items on this page and the draft guide itself is mind blowingly free uh, you give it to us for free Pete um, and it's a PDF that people can download um, so it's it's an incredible document but let me just pull you back to that 18 month thing because I think some people will listen to that and say how the hell can you do because these players are coming in this year how can you be doing it 18 months but I'm right in saying Pete that you're scouting these guys for a long time and can i even say that you're likely doing work well past the 18 months mark you're probably just writing it down at 18 months whereas you're watching these guys go through college from when they come in right
0: yeah and i think that's the, i think that's the exact point and and part of the reason for doing that is one you, you want to give that amount of focus to it to try and, to try and do a good job but also you know if you're watching games as we all you know we all watch lots of lots of games and some of us watch lots of college games. If you're watching games, you know, specifically for guys that are going to be drafted this year, then along the way, just by the fact that the other guys are playing, you're going to pick up on some other guys anyway. Mm. So, so, so whilst you're concentrating on particular players, you're looking perhaps at the all 22 to try and get, you know, the focus on particular players, you're going to see other, other guys who are not coming out this year or not coming out into the draft next year. But you're making notes on those guys already. Yeah. So it's um, that's really the reason that you start that far in f- far in advance is is that all of these other guys are already playing. So so you have the opportunity to almost kill multiple birds with one stone. If you excuse the the phrase.
1: Oh, animal cruelty! Oh my God! We're <laughs> gonna have pizza at the door. Um, but look, Pete. Um, you know, I'm obviously well acquainted with the draft guide. Um, it's a it's a cracking document. But can you give people kind of a rundown? I mean, what's in this draft document? What format does it take?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think the vast majority of it concentrates around what we call our big board, which is you know, our rankings of of players, starting at at the very number one, working working our way down to 300 plus. Um, and then we break that down by position. So quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, et cetera, et cetera. So you end up with, if you include the special teams, you end up with 12 position groups as well, um, with the rankings for each of the players in those. And then, um, you know, profiles on, on each of the top guys at those, at those position groups. Yeah. Um, and the number of profiles per position varies because if you look at, say, for example, the quarterback group, Typically, 10, 11, 12 quarterbacks get drafted, whereas if you look at perhaps the wide receiver group, and certainly in recent years, there might be as many as 30 or 25 to 30 wide receivers that are drafted. So, so you don't just get 10 at each position. It varies by, by position based roughly on the number of players that are likely to be drafted at that position.
1: Exactly. And I mean, you know, to visualize it, then it's the big board, they're calling all ranked all the positions in together as to who you expect. And your record, Pete, has been pretty outstanding, hasn't it, in the first round? If I do say so myself. (laughs) And I'm going to say, I'm going to take your modesty and I'm going to put it in a box. You have, you always do this every year, don't you, where you will get your prediction versus how the other big networks are doing. And how does Peter Jones's draft guide fare? We do, we do okay. We do okay. I love the way you say we as well. I'll take it. I'll take (laughs) it, Pete. But yeah, look, uh, so it goes by the big board and then you have all of the individual draft profiles. And then, Pete, don't you pick out certain players that you say, because that's that's what I love. Your draft guide is uh, really Packers-centric and I think that's what makes it stand out for and has become a real fan favourite over the years because... Um, In a little box back when Jordan Love was drafted, it was like, listen, you know, don't be too alarmed if the Packers key in on this guy because he fits the mold. Um, So that's the case with your draft guide, isn't it? That you, you pick out the players that make sense for the Packers because some players just simply don't really fit the mold of Goody's sort of vision. And do you still think that you have a pretty good idea what Goody looks for now at this stage? I think it
0: becomes more difficult. I think if we're honest, I, th- I think you, you, you start to get a pattern after about two or three years of of the types of players and, and and I think you know I don't think there's any real secrets about that particularly early in the draft athletic guys younger guys big school guys so sec, SEC type schools and so if you edit it. but um you know some people would have thrown in well you you know they don't pick at this position early and they don't pick at that position early well that's true until we got to last year when they picked Quay Walker, a linebacker. You know, the Packers hadn't picked a linebacker in the first round since A.J. Hawk, you know, back in the early 2000s. So the they don't pick at this position thing. You can turn that around and say they haven't picked at this position for so long. Eventually, they're going to.
1: Mm.
0: So, so wide receiver, for example. So, so I think the position thing you have to be careful of. But some of the other things, athletic ability. Um, like I say, the schools that they attended, that kind of thing, certainly, um, yeah, give you a good guidance. I think that 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 becomes less so when you get further into the draft. Yeah. Um, because a you don't know who's actually still going to be on the board at that point. Um, but also team, teams were are prepared to take more of a flyer later in the draft, and just say, you know, we'll take a quarterback in round six, for example. Um. Just to see if we can develop that guy. Um, he may not be the next starting quarterback, but you know the Packers had Packers, for example, had a, a habit of doing this. You know they picked guys like Mark Brunell, Aaron Brooks, those guys that they eventually traded on for more draft picks. So you know teams teams will absolutely do that later in the draft, and there'll be there'll be guys that are way down um, our board and way down other boards that you know there might be a six for eight tight end, who may not have done that much in in college, but looks like a real physical specimen that somebody will take a a chance on in round five or in round six.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the same. with My gripe with mock drafts is precisely that, is that, you know, the first round or so, and sometimes not not even the first round, let's face it, because how many years did we stay up as Packers fans? And then they trade out of it, Um, you know, and then there was the trading out to trade back in, Pete.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's what, yeah, Chaya Alexander when they when they traded down that year. Um, yeah, and that's why you never see a mock draft from me trying to predict what teams are going to pick what what players. And, and people have lots of fun with those, and that's you know that's absolutely fine. And there's some good simulators out there, which are which are good fun. The problem with them is is if you take take this year's draft, Carolina have traded up to pick one. Nobody knows who Carolina's traded up to get in pick one we can kind of guess but there's two or three quarterbacks that are bound to be on their radar there for pick one if you do a mock draft and you pick that one wrong then the re- the whole
1: rest of it's already wrong probably <laughs> immediately it's just yeah. <laughs> yeah it's wicked um and i've done this whole breakdown of exactly how people have gone and in fact it's so unpredictable that there's a the thing in sort of uh, draft mock draft lore of this guy who ended up picking i think all bar one of who went in the first round one year and he's held up like some sort of freak gold standard piece Um, so to try pick that is incredibly difficult but let me just pick your brain on when you're doing your big board piece and when you're ranking these players against each other Uh, two things spring to mind right so you could have a wide receiver who just looks better than a wide receiver in his division or in college who he's going up against versus how they how their skill set actually translates to the nfl so you in my mind, you would have a guy who two guys are very close. One guy is kind of consensus better, if you will. But it's actually the other guy with, who's not as good. And again, the margin's very close. But he might actually be better in the NFL and better suited to that. Do you see any instances like that? And do you have to make a judgment call when you're sort of grading your guys? Do you grade them against each other? Or do you also factor in how are they going to do when they reach the pro game? So,
0: so for, so for me, it's all about how they're going to do when they reach the pro. I can't even say it, the pro game. Mm. Um, but, but there is a case of also certainly when you look at order, you know, the order of players is, you know, does this guy look like he's going to be a better pro than that guy, than that guy, than that guy? And what, what, what I tend to do is in position groups, you end up with blocks of about four or five. Yeah and then the next four or five and the next four or five. Uh, And then they, you know, the the bottom one in one group and the top guy in the next group might become interchangeable at some point. Mm. Um, But yeah, I mean, you have to look at them as how they're going to do in the pros. And that's, that's where it gets really difficult because what you can't do is you can't, you can't stat scout. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's lots of guys throughout college football history that have put up huge, huge numbers. Um, some of that because of the level that they played at, some of it because of the system that they played in, etc., etc. Um, you know, and there's other guys that didn't put up huge numbers. A because of the opposite of that, but they might have been injured for two of their four years in college. Um, they might have had changes of offensive system, for example, like Jordan Love did, um, which can you know make things very difficult. Or they could be you know really good players on bad teams. Hmm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's lots of, lots of factors that go, that go into it, but it really is about trying to work out which players are going to be better at the pro level. And I think that's why it makes it, it makes it interesting, but also it makes it a, Guessing game for thirty-two NFL teams.
1: Yeah, and an awful lot of fans too. I mean, and as you said, an awful lot of sort of experts. And some people are really good. Some people are kind of so-so down the middle. And then you will have those sort of stat scouts who will look at a go, oh, Well, look, he, he put up you know seven thousand yards in his his back garden. why isn't he higher? And it's always a bone of contention. And that's I think you like that aspect of it, don't you, Pete? That when you put out your draft guide, you have this lovely back and forth with people. And some really knowledgeable guys where they'll say, oh, this is how I had this guy. So speaking of that, I mean, how much does your opinion, if any, change based on what someone else says? Because it's my understanding, Pete, and you say this every year, is that if Mel Kuyper comes out and says, I have this guy at seven, you don't even look at that that. But it's only when someone keys in with something and you might go, oh, like, am I missing something there? And go back and looking at the tape. But how much are you influenced by outside sources?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Not, not very much. Mm. So, and, and you're absolutely right. And, you know, and, and Mel Kuyper will have this guy, at, like you say, number seven, but one of the other experts of Daniel Jeremiah, or whatever might have that guy at 31.
1: Mm.
0: Right. So, so, and that's just based on, on their opinion. So if you're not careful, you'd be all over the place anyway, with, with those, with those guys. I think the other thing is, I think I, you have to trust what you see and that gets Hopefully that gets better over the, over the years, you know. And, and the other thing I think to understand is that this is not an exact science. So nobody can sit here and say, I guarantee that this player is going to be a hit at the, at the next level. Yeah. And, and you only have to look at, um, you know, look at each of the 32 NFL teams. And, you know, everybody's looking for that next all pro player in round one or Hall of Fame player in round one you know, only about 15% of those first round draft picks ever go on to, to even make one all-pro team. Wow. So, you know, it's absolutely not an exact science. But the other thing you pinpointed there, and I think it's absolutely right, is if if you keep seeing consistent messages, not about where, where um, experts have ranked this player or ranked that player, but they, you know, they say, so-and-so's got a strong arm, or so-and-so um, doesn't move very well, or... One of those athletic athletic things, you know, is, a, is an offensive lineman, doesn't move very, very quickly, laterally or whatever else. If that's not something that, that, that I've picked up on, yes, I'll absolutely be prepared to go back and look at that. When it becomes a constant message, say, let me just double check that I'm thinking the same thing there. And if I'm not, is it something I've missed?
1: Mm.
0: Now, I'm not going to change my view just because somebody else says it's this or it's that. But I'm absolutely prepared to go and take a take a second look. Why? Why wouldn't you?
1: Yeah. And, you know, the dangerous thing sort of strikes me about that type of thing is, is that in every industry, be it business, be it sport, whatever type of coverage you're doing. Sometimes you'll have someone who's deemed an expert will come out and say something and then you will have certain blog sites and certain people who are interested in it will literally parrot what that person has said. And eventually it starts to spread. Um. But look, you're, you're looking at game tape, Pete, for years and years. You're building up a profile on these players. Um, the casual fan, and me included when it comes to college ball, because I don't watch college ball, is that when the combine comes in, there's an awful lot of fanfare. It's a mixture of people are delighted that something football-related is back on TV. There's something to look at. There's that excitement, that unknown. But... How much does the combine, if at all, Pete, shift any of your metrics? Because to us, we look at it and go, Jesus, he was fast, wasn't he? And you look at the 4-4 four, four times and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever looked at the combine and said, oh, hold on, and then moved the guy's grade? Or has it just literally sort of, you know, solidified what you think of a player when you see him at the combine?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would I would say probably for 99% of players, it solidifies what you already think you know about about, about a player. Uh, you know, and, and very often, you know, a guy that goes and runs a fast forty, let's say, runs a forty in four three five. Ninety nine percent of the time, even more than that, you'll have already factored in that he's a fast guy into your evaluation. So what you can't do is double up on that evaluation. I already knew that. You know, um, now occasionally there will be guys that you expect are going to be this or are going to be that and they're really bad at the combine or they're really good at the combine, uh, a particular, a particular thing. Um, So I think you have to take that into account, but you also have to temper that with, I've just watched three years of this guy playing. Yeah. Let's not rank everything on what he does running, you know, 40 yards in shorts on one particular day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, you know, there, there, are, there are certain things that you, that you do have to take into account. So, so for example, when you're, when you're looking at players' size, right, and very relevant for quarterbacks but also other positions, you can't always trust the reports of players' size throughout their college career. They tend to be overinflated. Really? Um, so, you know, you'll see a, a quarterback that's in their college bio, it says they're 6'3". Which is pretty close to pretty, prototypical quarterback height. You're looking for a guy that's six three, six four. That's that kind of size. When they're measured at the combine, they suddenly turn out to be six foot and half an inch. That's mad. For, you know, so so those kinds of things can be. And also, you know, think of think of players' weights. You know, if if a guy is measured in college at being three twenty, but when he gets to the combine, he's three eighty. Mm. You're probably worried about the guy's (laughs) ability, you know, to look up to look after his weight going forward.
1: Yeah. Don't draft him to a, you know, (laughs) Pittsburgh or somewhere where you can have the Philly cheese or something like that. Keep him away from that. But look, I mean, at the end of the day, Peter, you're you're getting these players. You have all the draft profiles. Um, If one player moves, you're moving an up and down the draft board. You're also moving his profile around. And it's a big enough change. There has to come a point where you say, this is it now. I'm, I'm locking it in. So when do you decide on that point? And is there a part here that kind of sinks a little bit because of the amount of rumours and innuendo <laughs> and stuff that goes around about players?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I'm chuckling because for me, pretty much that day is to die.
1: <laughs> oh, here we go.
0: Right. So, 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 so it's about a week before the draft guide comes out for exactly the reasons you just described, right? So, so, so let's say I've taken who tight end number 11 on my list, I've relooked at stuff, and now I think he's tight in number seven. Just for just for an example. Well, that means I've now got to move his profile and move all of the others profiles as well at the same time in 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 the document. And whilst that doesn't sound like a lot of work, it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. There's also again, it goes back to the point when when you've watched these guys for two or three years, maybe four years in college. Um, yeah. There's a point that says, is a lot going to change? at this point and, you know, barring perhaps some off the field issue. Um, not a lot should be changing at this point. I, I wouldn't expect to suddenly be finding out or seeing something in a particular player that I hadn't seen to this point um, as I haven't done my job very well. If that's, if that happens.
1: Yeah. Cause I think you said one year that, you know, when you're going through the players is that when you write that initial Uh, bio of that person and your initial thoughts of what this guy is like as you trace him through college, it tends to ring true, doesn't it? So it shouldn't change all that much. You don't get a guy super athletic, not unless he has an injury, I guess, yeah. um, and comes back into it. So you kind of have to trust it because the one thing that stands out for me, Pete, is we have it every single year, don't we, where draft night drops and an ex-girlfriend comes out or whatever and they drop a photo of him doing, you know, a bong. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And that's one of the things that, again, you know, kind of going back to mocks and stuff, it will throw, it'll throw all of those out and you know and there's always players I mean I always think back to one of my early drafts the, the year that Dan Marino was drafted you know six quarterbacks were taken in the first round that year yeah and going into that draft day Dan Marino was regarded as the best or one of the best and he was the sixth one taken because a rumor started an unfounded rumor about some off the field stuff which turned out to be totally untrue but once the rumor started, then the next team was afraid to take him, and the next team was afraid, to t- and so on and so forth. So that stuff can start to, to, to build a little bit. Um, and so, fascinatingly,
1: yeah. on that, Pete, actually, don't you have a personal interest in that, in the sense that you were really good friends with Red uh, Cochrane, and it wasn't yeah. he the one who was telling Starr to take Marino, but Star yeah, Joe, over Joe
0: Monta- Joe Montana, that was.
1: That was uh, right, right, right.
0: But yeah, but, but but you you know, and you raise great examples. I mean, that's a great example of why when you're sitting here almost trying to predict what teams would do with with mock drafts, it's it's, it's almost impossible. Hmm. Um, you know, the two years after that, the, the 1981 draft, when the Packers ended up taking a quarterback, Rich Campbell, with the sixth overall pick, all the reports now, and they're in plenty of books now, was that Bart, Bart Starr had made his mind up. To take Ronnie Lott, yeah he went on to be a you know a Hall of Fame um, safety cornerback and safety at San Francisco, and the Packers were, were going to take Ronnie Lott with that sixth pick, and at some point between the night before and the draft day, Bart Starr
1: changed his mind. It's mad, and that you know what, and that's that's a really interesting topic, and it's very hard, and there's always you know there's kind of again the famous uh, peter jonesism is that it's never as good as bad as you, as you think you know when you look back at the drafts and you sort of you try grade them retrospectively or you try grade them straight after it is a fascinating exercise you do really need to let the player retire almost don't you yeah, to look yeah. back at it and go oh well because it's not only the people you pick it's the people you don't pick uh, that comes up to sort of bite you more often than not, um, as well. So look, you're you're locking in your players for the draft guide. The draft guide will be out on the 13th of April, um, so you're trying to lock everything in now. But I mean, there's nice little tidbits in there as well. Want to there be? There'll be a few articles in there as well, yep. sort of that are yep. n- nice and evergreen stuff to to do. On the 14th piece, do you sort of fall into a slumber of four days like Sleeping Beauty? I mean, what happens after <laughs> all a, of this is pro- done?
0: Probably on the fourteenth, I'm probably rethinking about what's in there, second guessing myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, waiting (laughs) Um, for that comment on socials going, oh, (laughs) there's a typo. You said T E H instead of T H E.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's a few typos in there. I run every grammar check that I can, but you know. Yeah. (laughs) But but yeah, I mean it, it. It's yeah, there is yeah, there absolutely is a bit of that. It's nice to get to that point where where I could relax a bit, if if you like, and just think more about the draft itself rather than individual players, yeah.
1: Well, look, we have some really special stuff planned because the draft guide, uh, it, you know, it deserves to be shouted from. The rooftops, it's free, which is scandalous. It's Packer centric um, you've done enough of them now, Pete. Where you know you can go back through your draft picks and you can literally show just how consistent the whole way through. Uh, you didn't say it earlier, but I'll say it: is that you've graded far higher than the um, you know big networks. and all that I'm not going to try, you know, disrespect for even, say city experts because it's a very difficult job to do. And um, so with the big networks and the people that get paid the big books, your draft guide comes up trumps every single year. So it's well well worth a read. We're going to have an offensive rundown. Uh, we're going to have a defensive rundown, and then special teams and final thoughts. And that's usually where we sort of capture any sort of rumor innuendo anybody who's dropping down the draft board but I guess it's important as well to remember isn't it that if you have the second best tight end and he has off the field issues that makes him drop he's still the second best tight end by skill oh. Um, so yeah. the fact that he drops doesn't really have a bearing on his skill level Um, just probably his maturity and sort of how the market sees him Um, and as well as that I mean you know people do their mock drafts and we might do something like you know ask me anything with the Peter Jones mock drafts and maybe we can have one day where everyone looks at your draft guy get gets it out of their system, does their mock draft and then asks you to grade it and stuff like that. But certainly not the fourteen. I think we'll try to push that out um, a little bit because you'll be going into the, the woods um, and trying to enjoy some time. But is there anything else you want people to know, Pete, about this draft guide before um, we wrap it up? And the next time we'll be speaking to you then will be when we're sort of di- digesting just the offensive side of things
0: yeah i think- I think yeah i think that I think the main thing to say is that when it comes out it's it's there it's there for people's enjoyment entertainment, and hopefully helps them a little bit through the through the draft process. I'm not going to sit here and pretend you know that that we're gonna get stuff hundred percent right we won't, but the teams certainly don't either you know, and I know that there will be people out there that will have opinions of of players that differ from ours, and that's absolutely fine you know I've not no I'm not precious about it or 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 anything like that. I mean, yeah, um, and yeah, you know, if if people want to have discussions about particular players or mock drafts, we can we can we can do all that. And yeah, just just when it comes out, just enjoy it because that's that's the reason I, that's the reason I do it is to enjoy and help through the process.
1: Well, the way I feel about it is, it's such a mammoth task, um, and it's something that you really have to commit to every year. And it's like Aaron Rodgers looking at. You know, training camp and OTAs and all that, and going. Do you know what? I don't. Just this year's. It's just not <laughs> it. You know. So I think that you know, whilst you're blessing us with these draft guides, I think we should be very, very appreciative um, as well because it is such a big task and stuff like that. And again, I would ask people if you enjoy the draft guide, uh, make sure that you shout Peter's name from the rooftops and uh, get get him out there because it's it's just. You know, as Packers community stuff goes, Pete, and what we've seen. I think, and this is coming from me. You know, with the whole Jordan love Aaron Rodgers and the fall out of people pointing fingers at each other it's nice to see you kind of just drive right up the middle with a draft guide and sort of be like listen you know almost like Santa Claus and say let's get back to a nice bit of discourse um, and a nice um, conversations but anyway look we'll be talking to you plenty you'll be all over our socials and stuff like that um, as well and you'll get a well-deserved rest I think after the draft um, and you'll be staying up late for the course I think you know we're all going to chip in together and buy you, you and uh, your missus a trip to the Caymans and we're going to send you out there <laughs> um, on a raft you know so that you're out there for a good long time but anyway um, he is at IT Hedgehog Peter Jones uh, you'll find him also uh, sharing his expert opinion in the groups at UK Packers on Facebook um, and Twitter and of course we have an Instagram there as well which Pete doesn't really mess with let's be fair uh, guy's too devilishly handsome and me, at Steve Diddy NFL. And do stay tuned to the podcast. And also, we've a really, really gripping, I believe, uh, YouTube video coming. Um, it's another one. If anyone remembers, I did a profile on Randall Woodfield, um, the most notorious serial killer potentially in American history. And I go and uncover another dark secret about Curly Lambeau's family that even Peter didn't know. You know, and Peter doesn't know that it's definitely somewhere buried in the old-timey papers, but stay tuned for that. But until next week on the pod, and Peter, thank you very much. See you then. Go pack go.